we shall overcome. There's a little song that we sing in our movement down in the South. I don't know if you've heard it. It has become a theme song. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe that we shall overcome. Though I join hands often with students and others behind jail bars singing it, we shall overcome. Sometimes we had tears in our eyes when we joined together and sing it, but we still decided to sing it because we shall overcome. Long before the victory is won, some will have to get thrown in jail some more, but we shall overcome. Don't worry about us before the victory is won. Some of us will lose jobs, but we shall overcome. Before the victory is won, even some will have to face physical death. But if physical death is the price that some must pay to free our children from the permanent psychological death, then nothing shall be more redemptive. We shall overcome. Before the victory is won, some will be misunderstood and called bad names and dismissed as rabble-rousers and agitators, but we shall overcome. I tell you why. We shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. We shall overcome because Carlisle is right. No lie can live forever. We shall overcome because William Cullen Bryant is right. True crust to the earth will rise. We shall overcome because James Russell Lowell is right. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future. And behind that dim unknown stand is God within the shadows, keeping watch above his own. We shall overcome. We shall overcome because the Bible is right. You will reap what you sow. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe that we shall overcome. And with this faith, we will go out and adjourn the councils of despair, bringing new light into dark chambers of pessimism. We will be able to rise from the fatigue of despair to the buoyancy of hope. And this will be a great America. We will be the participants in making it so. And as we move forward in this 2018 and we speak about unity and diversity, walk together, children. Don't get worried. We shall overcome. You see, the the topic today was diversity and unity and every piece being fitly joined. But before we even get into all that, There's another topic that we must cover. There's a war that we need to fight. And it's a daily fight. And it is the war on ignorance. It just got hot in here.
My name is Jeremiah Lewis, and I want to thank Metropolitan CME and Bishop Thomas for giving me this opportunity to be here today. I'm thankful I got the call from my uh, district superintendent, Reverend Jocelyn, and she said, hey, uh, Bishop Palmer asked if you're available. I said, well, if dad is asking, I'm available. I had the opportunity to rap at the underground last night to uh, a, a crazy group of young people and adults, and it was awesome. So if it sounds like I've been gargling gravel, it's because I've been yelling for 20 minutes straight on stage and uh, probably lost about seven or eight pounds while I was up there. But <laughs> Crazy how God works. I'm thankful for this opportunity because I don't share this often, but I should be dead by now. Tried suicide twice as a teenager, and even, even while my mother was pregnant with me 34 years ago, the devil had an assignment, and he wasn't able to complete it because God had other plans. Don't call me reverend. Don't call me pastor. You ain't even got to call me brother. Just call me Jeremiah. Just... I'm simply a servant of God, not to be put on a pedestal, because if you look at my closet deep enough, you're going to find some stuff you ain't going to like. But I guarantee there's a number of us in this room if we look in your closet deep enough. CSI would be looking for you. But we live in this, in this place called America, and... I was baffled at some of the uh, political uh, conversation that happened during the, the presidential election and they were talking about make America great again. Amen. I got to scratching my head saying, well, I'm of a particular culture that want to question, when was America great for us? <laughs> As an African-American male, I got a bone to pick. But I got a group of individuals that have got a bone to pick before me. And if you want to talk to some sisters, I know they got a bigger bone to pick with America than I do. And in this war on ignorance, when we, when we look at scripture, and this is one of the most important things that we have in our arsenal to fight this war against ignorance, and that is scripture. And once we forget about scripture, then we become some of the most ignorant individuals on the face of the planet. So when we look into Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, I'll give you a little bit of time to find it, and then I'm just going to move forward. You got 30 seconds. <laughs> I remember being a youth pastor and having to tell the kids, uh, Luke is in the New Testament. <laughs> I had one kid tell me, where's that? <laughs> I got my work cut out for me. I will read it into your hearing. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. 
who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had fished, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Verse five is very important. Make sure you, we're going to refer back to that often. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. In verse six, when they had done so, they had caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. (laughs) Then Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. In this passage of scripture, we see the significance of water as this is the place of work for early disciples and an opportunity for Jesus to once again work miracles. Water continues to be an influential in Jesus's ministry and this passage is no different. We get a chance to see not only what Jesus says and does, but how early disciples handle the newness, the wisdom, the knowledge, the instruction of Jesus. Church, after celebrating Martin Luther King Day a few weeks ago, walking into Black History Month, I am reminded of some visuals that happened not too long ago in Charlottesville, North Carolina. See, as, as an American nation, we have a very quick memory. We forget too easy. Now I've been married six years, been together totally with my wife for 10, and I'm learning that uh, if I need to be reminded of anything, I actually talked to my book. (laughs) So remembering Charlotte, North Carolina, where individuals lost their lives in protests of these neo-Nazi individuals who gathered at a Confederate statue of Robert E. Lee. See, individuals saw this and were astonished, but for those of you that have been born and raised in Cincinnati, have been here for any amount of time, there have been some political and racist unrest here for a while. I live in Dayton, Ohio. I live in slightly a bubble, but my wife is from Cincinnati, and she was quick to remind me that Cincinnati 
ain't always been peachy. See, many times we want to we want to point at what everybody else going on or point at other cities and other states and say what they've got going on. But a lot of times in order to look for some 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 divisive stuff or some racism or some bias, all you got to do is look outside your front door. People lost jobs because they showed up at Virginia to stand with these supremacists. Those individuals found out real quick you got freedom of speech, but just because you got freedom of speech doesn't mean you got freedom of consequences. People are still surprised at the amount of bias and racism that still thrives in America, but for some of us, this ain't nothing new. You walk around a store with your kids and people looking at you like, do they all got the same day? Say nothing new. You wearing your natural hair out and people just staring. Because they want to touch you. <laughs> Say nothing new. My dad had one of the fullest afros I had ever seen in a bed. I want to say it was probably 1996. He owned a lawn care company. And he would be out in this hot sun with this big fro from, from uh, Staten Island, New York. And he had a black power pick in it. <laughs> <laughs> My dad is different. And we would cut grass for this lady. She was from Greece. You know, and for months, she would just look at my dad's hair. And my dad was like, go ahead. <laughs> she was just, oh my gosh. It's not coarse. Look at what he this. <laughs> That'd have been an opportunity to do like coming to America. There'd be juices and berries in there. Juices and berries. When people see young and old worshiping together on a Sunday, people come in and look like you're crazy, but say nothing new. Yes. You walk into a room full of individuals that don't really know you and you, you know, light skin or you got long hair, whatever it is, and some you know they want to ask you, what you mix with? Racism and bias is, is still very prevalent in America today. It's literally ingrained in the soil. And I know when we talk about unity and diversity, we want to talk about black and white. That's nice. But I'm African American, been born and raised African American. I've been, I've been raised in the church. And there are two areas in my life where I fight racism and diversity and all the rest of that stuff the most and bias. And that is in my African American community and in church. Some days I walk into a black church and it feel like I ain't welcomed in there. I'm like, what are you? Whether you know it or not, we all got off on the same boat somewhere. <laughs> and the reality is that we are so prepared to fight for our lives, prepared to go out to war physically, but there's another war that needs to be fought, and that is the war against 
ignorance. Ignorance means the lack of knowledge or information. Martin Luther King says best, we, we must learn to live together as, as brothers or we will perish together as fools. We must learn to live together as brothers and, and I must say sisters because I'm working at a public school right now. I ain't breaking up fights with the boys. It's the girls scrapping. She said, this is my She looked at me wrong. I'm looking at you right now. You ain't got a problem with me. Sorry, it's got heated. It's been a tough three weeks. And I dare say ignorance is one of the biggest reasons we are perishing in America right now. But as we continue to dig into scripture, we see that Simon, also known as Peter, is having an interaction with Jesus that gives us a few pieces of how the war against ignorance needs to be fought. In verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Peter casts his nets, maybe without seeing the true purpose. Peter shows humility. Humility means being humble, low esteem of one's own importance. Simon Peter is no longer relevant to the story of Jesus if he lacks humility. Some of us are not are no longer relevant in our walks with God because we prideful. We're arrogant. We have an ego. My mentor Marlon Shackleford told me this a long time ago. Ego, E-G-O, edging God out. So many of us are so busy edging God out that we forgot to let God in. Peter shows humility, he's able to take instruction, a willingness to learn, to try something new for different results. I'll say that again. Try something new for different results. These are all characteristics of a humble person. Peter is the son of a fisherman. Jesus is the son of a carpenter. In these days, you continue the family business, right? Peter, as a man, was a professional fisherman. Jesus was a professional carpenter, yet Peter allows Jesus to give him instruction in the area that Peter specialized in. How many of us are willing to allow someone that specializes in something totally different to tell us how to do our job? You ever been in a because, well, you said so situation? I said, I've been married six years, man. I have a lot of them. But even before then, my parents, you know, uh, growing up, my dad would be like, clean your room. And I'd be like, well, because you said so. <laughs> Turn the video game off. Because you said so. Do the dishes. And then my siblings would be like, nah, we'll do the dishes. We don't want to get in trouble. So for you, because I suck the dishes. <laughs> I live in a family where if somebody did something wrong, everybody got in trouble. So they were like, it was like, man, we just going to bite this bullet for you with just a couple of spoons and some forks. We'll be all right. 
My wife asks me to do stuff all the time. Build me a garden. Because <laughs> you said so. She has to give me a timeline, so she might want the garden in about 10 years. So She came home one day, Jay, can you clean up a little bit more? I was like, all right, baby, because you said so. Can you take the dogs out because you said so? Can you, you know? Because we all have been in those because you said so situations. And many times we have to we have to adhere to the beat because you asked or because you said so many times without seeing the full purpose of it. Jesus, with this moment with Peter, he's telling Peter, can you throw this net down on the other side? And Peter's like, bruh, I specialized in this. I ain't caught a damn thing all night. And Jesus is saying he's trying to test Peter's Humility. And there are many of us in here, our humility, our relationship with God has been tested and we've passed because we've been humble. But there's a number of us in here that battle for control when you and God is day to day. That battle with pride with you and God is day to day. That that battle for supremacy with you and God is day to day. So there's some moments where you pass and other moments where you Many times we struggle with listening, taking instruction, and trying new things. That's one thing that I know about the church. If there's any place that we struggle to do new things, it's the church. Not only in the church, but in, but in school. I work in the educational system, and I also, I also work in church. How is it that how, how is it that I did a show last night, and lights was everywhere, sound system, videotape, and this and that, and they got everything hooked up, and I'm like, oh, man, they about to put this on YouTube, and I've been to some churches well, they ain't got a phone in the entire building. And I'm not saying you got to have Wi-Fi. I ain't saying you got to be hip. What I'm saying, I'm just saying that we lose, we lose relevance. We, we lose individuals when we, when we fall so far behind and we say, well, well God, you'll work something out. Well, God has given us so many free opportunities to do that. To try new things, it's a struggle to try new things. I'm 34 years old, man. These kids come up with different terms all the time. I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? All those were smacking. Back when we said smacking, that means it was a fight. It was actually smacking. Now smacking means it's good. I don't know. It's terminology. These rappers nowadays, man, I made a joke last night. All these cats coming out with rainbow hair, rainbow teeth. Back in my day, you get your behind kick, you walk around the house with rainbow teeth. Parents be like, get that out of your head, what you doing? You just put the little foil in my mouth and make it look like Yep. That spanking was worth it, man. It was worth it. Hmm. You ever asked someone you were trying to teach something new and they kept saying, I know? I got God kids like that, man. I know. No, you don't. Stop saying that. It'd be the little ones that say they know. And the crazy part is, specializing in working with young people for so long, I realize that the apple don't fall far from the tree. So usually if you have an I know kid, it's because you got an I know parent that they've been learning that from. 
No, your kids don't know how to tie shoes. I know. Well, why don't you know how to tie their shoes then? Your kid ain't got school supplies. I know. Why they got Georges on? Two things America has by the handfuls, ignorance and confidence. The, we may not know, but <laughs> in other countries, like Americans, we seem to commit crimes in other countries and expect these other countries to smack us on the wrist. Many of us, we've gone to different places and we've committed crimes because we said, well, we're American and we, you know, I'll be okay. There, there is a, there's an ignorance level and a confidence level with Americans that's just, I don't know. Have you guys seen YouTube yet? You seen these people fail lately? I watched this, this I, got a, I got a subscription to this thing called Fail Army and it's nothing but people doing dumb stuff. Their level of ignorance and confidence is just astronomical. This guy jumped off a building trying to do some parkour, I mean 40 feet off a building. He was going to try to jump onto a dumpster and then jump onto another house and it flipped on top of his buddy car. We jumped off the roof. He made it onto the dumpster and inside the dumpster and not, in, and not on the roof of the other house. The dumpster was the last place he went. He had confidence though. And we have that in droves. Ignorance makes us think as Americans, everybody likes us. And when, you, when we go to other countries as Americans, I need you to know this. A lot of countries don't like us. We, we, we are individuals that are going to Africa and going to Mexico and expect them to speak English. As ignorance. Hmm. Lack of information. The truth is that the American kingdom is not always in line with God's kingdom. Amen. I dare say that the American kingdom is rarely aligned with God's kingdom. In Hosea 4, 6-7, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you. From bring, being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Yes, the more they increase, the more they sin against me, I will change their glory into shame. There is a shame on America. Because once our eyes have been opened, we are now responsible for the information we have. And here are just a few steps. There are 1,503 Confederate symbols displayed in public spaces throughout the country. The U.S. is dotted with parks, military forts, fountains, and roads bearing the names of men who chose to form the Confederate States of America. 109 public schools bear the name of Confederate soldiers, you know, the ones that fought to keep slavery around. All these schools have a majority African-American student base. And I know we think we're in a bubble, we're in Ohio, we're distance away from all this racism and turmoil, yet Ohio is responsible for the first race riot of the 21st century that happened in Cincinnati, Ohio, when a young man a number of years ago was running from the police and they shot him up in Cincinnati, burned for days. 
We have three roads in Cincinnati that honor Confederate soldiers fought in the Civil War. Beauregard Court Road, Jebs Stewart, and Stonewall Jackson Drive in your city. In your city, Stonewall Jackson was second in command under Robert E. Lee. Was a general, was a shot caller, if you say. And there is a street in Cincinnati that honors this man. The Charlottesville, Virginia incident happened at Robert E. Lee Park where there was a monument for a general and they finally took the statue down over there. The Confederate Army, that specific statue was there since 1924. It stood for 94 years. And we did nothing. We did nothing. How long have these streets been in Cincinnati and we do nothing? How many of these schools do our children have to go to with the names of these Confederate soldiers, these individuals that would have lynched our children if it was back in slavery times? And our children go to these schools and have to learn about a whitewashed History that says that slaves just walked on a boat. They volunteered their services. Word. They weren't going to Royal Caribbean. They weren't going to Carnival Cruise. Some of these slaves were, were in boats that were supposed to fit 100 or so barrels of cargo, you know, gold, uh, uh, minerals, rocks and such, fruit and furs, but there's over 200, 300 of these slaves in the bowels of these ships, and they refuse to write that in the history books because it paints America in a true light. Hmm. Many of us, we remain ignorant. Stuff we don't want to talk about. We tell our children, you're too young for that. Yet it's okay for them to use your cell phone. Look up whatever they want. Sing whatever they want. Dance however they want. And you don't want to talk to them about their history? That's one way you fight the war on ignorance. See, many of us, we were around when Jim Crow was still around. Jim Crow was abolished, what, 60, 70 years ago? Some of us, we was, we was around when that, when that was happening. My mentor said that when an elder dies, a library burns. Because of the knowledge and the wisdom that, that you have. See, some of us, we count ourselves out because of our age. Come on now. There's nothing like sitting at the feet of my grandmother and listening to her talk. There's nothing like sitting at the feet of my grandfather and hearing his stories about the war. Hearing his stories about how he made it out of New York. Hearing his stories.
stories about how he was the only African American on his crew in the in the Air Force, and they worked on a specific engine and how they dropped him into Vietnam with the with the M16 on his hip, and he was the only one that can fix this engine. They dropped Mr. Howard Lewis into the heart of it because he was an African American that knew how to do the job. Y'all got stories. And it's a shame that y'all ain't sharing them. You got your, your grandkids on Christmas. Some of y'all got your grandkids all day long, and we refuse, you refuse to share the word of God with them. Oh, they ain't listening. Yeah, they are. But it ain't up to us when the switch goes on. See, we want the light to go off immediately. It didn't work that way with us. Some of us, it took us one to two marriages to finally get it. Some of us, it took us one to two pregnancies to finally get it. One of us, it took us one to two girlfriends, three to four fathers of a job. You got kicked out of this school, that school, and that school. It, it, it didn't sink with us the first time. But that's how we fight the war on ignorance, making sure that we understand where we came from. And we, get, we are patient with our children. We are patient with our grandbabies. And we share those stories with them because when God brings it back up, it's back. Mm. There's a protest that's been going on on the inside of you. Between good and evil. God's on the good side. Asking, when are you going to allow me to tear these monuments of evil out of your life? See, one thing I've learned about church and people, period, is that we love to fix everybody else. <laughs> the true fight. Is having to work on you. Amen. I mean, I struggle with that. My wife got her bachelor's, master's degree at the same time it took me to get my associate's degree because I was trying to fix everybody. I'm one class away from getting my bachelor's degree, but I was trying to fix everybody. I was a youth pastor for seven years, and every woman in the church was trying to send me their son. And finally, I had to say, I can't fix everybody. I can't be the daddy. You don't want to lay down with the man. I'm, I'm here to support you in your efforts to be the best parent you can possibly be. I can't pick your son up from football. I got date night tonight. Come on now. I don't have kids for a reason. I got two dogs, a pit bull, and a Maltese working. And the short one, the 10.5 pounder, that's the one you got to look out for. I don't have kids for a reason. They're expensive. <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> One day. Allow God to tear down these monuments in your life. Monuments of deception, distrust, fear, malice, bitterness, alcoholism, sexism, drug addiction, pornography, abuse, hate, bias, and yes, racism. Allow God to tear those down. And for some reason, individuals look at the black community and they don't think we're racist. Many of us have our own biases against our own culture, against that church across the street, against certain individuals that, man, look, I went to Panera Bread. The gentrification in this community is real. 
ain't seen so many New Balances close to Vine Street in my life. When I walk into somewhere and I see somebody with some Mizuno's on, I'm like, oh wow, this is real around here. Goodness. I grew up watching Full House. There's a bunch of white people living in one house. The Brady Bunch. They had a housekeeper, man. She lived with them. Nowadays, the housekeeper is your mama. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, your grandma ain't gonna live with you with the kids. She wasn't related to them. They was paying her. Them cats look rich to me. They all had their own rooms. I had a share room with my brother. I can't wait till you leave. <laughs> to break up these bunks, man. How many of y'all had the bunks and stuff like that? Man, I had the bunks. I wait, man. <laughs> Them cats look rich to me. Full house. They look rich to me. Uncle Joey. Like, what's he doing? I'm doing comedy till I get a job. You don't work, man. Jolie, get a job. The Brady Bunch, man, they, they would all load up in some like, it was, it was six kids and two adults. And them kids didn't look starved at all. Like, I'm like, it's six of them in the house. Parents still look like they're having a great day with six kids? Some of y'all struggle with two. Like, I'm like, if you don't get in this car. Special prayer for parents in here. But we need to allow God to break down these, these monuments that we have in our life that are not of God. And it takes work. Many of us are holding things on the inside that we don't talk about, that we don't share with others, or we just think. Some of y'all have horrible poker faces, so when you see something that, you know, preachers usually. What monuments do you have in your life that stand against the good work God is trying to do in you? We don't have God has not called us to a reactionary life. We have a reactionary country. Something bad happens, we react to it. We're not proactive. We don't have a proactive country. When something bad happens, we, we react to it. 9-11, for instance. Planes go into buildings, we react to it. Somebody shoots up a school, we, we react to it. Something happens at church, we react to it. Where's the proactive nature in the church? When's the last time we got ahead of something? And God is calling us to something new, something different, but it takes humility. It's okay to say, God, I don't know. God, you preach me in my spirit to do something. Something you keep, you keep giving me dreams, you keep giving me visions. I don't know how this is supposed to be. I don't know what the first step is supposed to look like. And you know what? God can work with somebody that's willing to say, I don't know. But when I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm present, I'm your servant, I am your vessel, whatever you need from me, whatever you call me to do, I am there. 
say that you don't know we are imperfect people serving the perfect God because if we were perfect, we wouldn't need God. We were imperfect for a reason. And when you admit your imperfections, that's when God can work. God can't work with people that know it all. God can't work with people that's done it all, seen it all. God can work with some individuals that are willing to say, God, fix me. I'm broken. I don't know what's supposed to happen next. Every relationship I get in is static and bruised. God, take my daily license. God, that would be the best parent I can possibly be. choice to allow Jesus to renew his mind. And this is why scripture is so important. In Romans 12 to do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Allow God to renew your thinking. You don't know that's okay. We live in a society that feels like you got to know it all. We're afraid to ask questions because we're afraid to look stupid. I'm okay with asking somebody who specializes in something more than I do because we might be able to build a camaraderie. We might be able to build a partnership. And this is where true unity and diversity happens, understanding that we all have gifts. We all do something differently. This is how I don't specialize in it. But when you do, you might need something one day that I got. So guess what? We have an opportunity to truly be one body fitted together. But we have to fight this war on ignorance. We have to have humility, and humility is a choice. In this walk with Christ that we have, God's not making us do anything. You chose to get up this morning. You chose to put your shoes on. You chose to get the kids dressed. You chose to start the car. You chose to get here the time you got here, whatever time you got here. So we have a choice in this walk of Christ. What do you choose? Do you choose to be humble or do you choose to be prideful? But it's your choice. And at some point, if you choose the prideful and the arrogant route, you will look up and you will realize that you are now all alone. When you are humble, you will realize that you will become a magnet for what God is trying to do in your life. God will send you places you never thought you'd see. I never thought I'd be in Metropolitan CME, but a couple phone calls later, voila! Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. But it takes humility. We need more role models of humility. Amen. Amen. Doesn't pride to go around. Mm-hmm. To fight this war on ignorance, humble yourself. 
Get in your word. Get in God's face. And say, God, I honestly don't know. But teach me. Show me. All of the years that I've accumulated and I thought I had it all figured out. God, if you need to redirect my path, I'm your vessel. And that is a difficult thing to do because many of us had it all planned out. But I'm okay with God switching my plans. We have to be okay with God switching my plans. We pray for you all today. Dear Heavenly Father, we are here today humbly in the skin that we're in knowing that you hold all the answers. So God, we say today with peace in our heart and humility in our mind that we don't know. We don't know how this thing is going to work but Martin Luther King says faith is taking the first step even when we don't see the full staircase. God, we don't see the full staircase, but we have faith in you, uh, a God that's never failed us, a God that remembers us. When we were at the bottom of the barrel, when we had nowhere else to go, you found us. When, even when we were trying to be looked for, yeah. when we were running away from you, you were running to us. Yeah. When we came back to you, over and over and over again. Your arms were stretched wide open, God, and we thank you for that. And we are here today saying we choose humility. We choose to fight against ignorance. We choose to be the beacon of light that is sat on a hill. We can draw others into it, not so that they can see us, our selfishness, our immaturities, but we, they can see you working through us. And God, thank you for metropolitan CME for being that beacon. The individuals in this room for taking a stand against bias and racism, systemic racism, whatever they see. That they hold America's feet to the fire and say, you said this. And this ain't of God. Thank you, Lord. That even though America struggles to align with the heavenly kingdom, thank you, Lord, that we don't struggle with that. Yes. And your will yes. will be done. Yes. And you have called us the head and not the tail. Winners, not losers. Above and not beneath, Lord. We thank you for that. And when the world counts us out, thank you, Lord, for counting us in. No matter what we've been through, no matter where we've been, no matter what individuals have said to us, no matter what individuals have done to us, situations that were out of our control, God, you still called us. And we will fight this war on ignorance with every tool you've given us in your word and in a substantial prayer life and with a devotion life that is second to none, God. We will use what we have. We will use what you have given us to be fishers of men. Thank you today. That we walk out this building renewed, refreshed, energized, and ready to go to war. We ask for all of these things. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.
Amen.